Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Welcome to Life in Colorado. I'm Mark Howington, and I'm pleased to be joined by John Kelly. John, you're the CEO of ZenReach. Uh, tell us uh, what that means, brick-and-mortar marketing experts. So just give us a little thumbnail about what your company does. Sure. Uh, what we do is um, we help brick-and-mortar businesses understand their in-store customers, create profiles, and then enable them to market against those customers and bring in new customers as well. Which is really important for the topic we're going to discuss. Can restaurants survive a second wave of shutdowns? And like your state of California here in Denver and in Colorado, we're under that red COVID warning, which means for restaurants, no indoor dining whatsoever. Um, you can do a pickup or they can deliver. And they're also doing what's known as uh, at least some counties are allowing a variance for some outdoor dining, which essentially means they are setting up a tent. I even heard of one restaurant that's renovated a bus, but all the windows of that bus uh, that's been converted into a dining room have to stay open at all times so that they're, in essence, uh, it's it's being called outdoor indoor dining, which is really difficult for this restaurant industry. So let's start there. Can restaurants truly survive this second wave of shutdowns? Uh, well, I, I, I want to start off by saying it's tough out there for restaurateurs. We know it. We see it in the data. Um, uh, essentially, foot traffic to restaurants is down almost 60% uh, across the country and even more so in some states where they have restrictions in place. So it is definitely tough out there. It's been tough for most of this year, uh, but we do see uh, some successes. And uh, one of the areas that has been really successful is the um, delivery. So delivery is absolutely taken off during this time frame. And if there are restaurateurs out there who have not yet adopted online ordering and delivery, I would highly encourage them to lean into that aspect. That's um, That can be a great requisite for restaurants to then adapt. And I have got to imagine that that means a lot of steps that they're going to have to take. For example, you just mentioned online ordering. I, I heard an interview a few days ago with a with an owner of a restaurant, and they're like, you know, we have never had a website before. We didn't need one. We were we were the restaurant that was very well established in the neighborhood, and so a lot of our foot traffic actually came from people who knew we were there. And a website before wasn't necessary. So, as yeah, it's kind of a tall order for some of these restaurants, especially who are, don't have the technology in place already. Uh, what steps do they need to take? How do how do they make an effect? website, for example? Yeah, so uh, there are lots of different services out there that can enable uh, restaurateurs to get a website up and running um, and also 
have what's called online ordering. Uh, you know, Shopify and BigCommerce are two of the ones that come to mind uh, that have done a fantastic job for small to medium-sized businesses. There's a number on the restaurant side as well. But getting that is up and running is, uh, I think, essential during this time frame. Uh, and making sure that you have some type of delivery component. There are third-party delivery apps like uh, DoorDash and um, Uber Eats and Postmates, et cetera. They can be a little expensive, but they're, you know, they are certainly um, capable of, of doing the deliveries. And a lot of restaurateurs have also hired some drivers, um, and that has proven to be uh, a good investment. Talking with John Kelly, CEO of ZenReach. John, is I think about other changes that restaurants are going to have to make. And by the way, eventually we'll flip the coin here. We're going to talk about customers and uh, maybe how you can support your local restaurant as a customer. But for now, from the business aspect, I can imagine that there's all kinds of other changes. For example, if a restaurant has never had delivery before, they've always been sit down, you've got to now order styrofoam containers and you've got to be able to package that food in a way that it is to go and at the same time meet health standards for temperatures, for example, for that food. That's got to be a challenge, too. Talk about how restaurants can accomplish that. Yeah, that, those are those are challenges as well. There are regulations on when a delivery needs to be uh, completed uh, for certain types of food deliveries, so uh, you do have to be on top of that. Um, but I, I want to point out, like, there are some that have made this shift and have done so very quickly and have seen tremendous success. Uh, one of our clients is a is a uh, burger chain in the southeast that essentially had no delivery, no online ordering at the beginning of the pandemic. And then when their locations were closed, they immediately shifted. They said, we have to figure this out. They got a website up and running in less than two weeks. They had delivery up and running within a week after that. And uh, then they then they did something that was unique. They really leaned into this. Uh, they uh, promoted this new delivery very aggressively with their consumer base. We helped them do that. And the result was tremendous. They also brought like a, a sense of humor to the the whole equation. They created a new drink called the Quarantini, and uh, for every online order above $50, they threw in a, a free roll of toilet paper, for example. And the result was great. Like uh, Restaurant kind of traffic, in-store traffic was down more than 60%, uh, but they were able to recoup a big portion of that through this online delivery that they had never had before. And so it was great to see uh, a client you know, face the challenge head on, immediately pivot and see success through this period. So I'm I'm thinking of perhaps a restaurant owner who's listening right now going, oh, my goodness, I, I, I started this business because I love to cook and I, I love yeah. creating new recipes. And I, yeah, I, OK, I've got a little bit of business, you know, under my belt because I've been running this for a while. But what you're talking about is a a huge shift in terms it, it it really is a whole different business almost and and the other thing that came to mind as you were describing this is that's got to be an investment of cash and now here we are as we mentioned at the top of the program the second wave of shutdowns well the first wave has certainly drained a lot of restaurant owners of cash how can they pull this off yeah, it, well, I think the key word that you mentioned there is investment. Um, I think a lot of restaurateurs and small business owners in general look at new technologies as costs 
as opposed to investments. And we have to look at them as investments. Uh, there's, uh, it's very clear that when, you know, website for one is, is, is an investment that enables your uh, consumers to place those orderings without having to call you, right? Which also has costs associated with it. Uh, but if you look at, there's a lot of technologies have developed for the restaurant space in particular over the past five years um, that can really enable these restaurateurs to be much more efficient with their processes, but also bring in customers more effectively. And yes, they have upfront costs, but for the most part, they will pay for themselves plus some pretty darn quickly if you do it well. So I think the first step has to be a mindset shift of, yeah, there's going to be an upfront cost associated with these, but these are investments. They're not just some uh, costs that, um, that don't have a return. And indeed, I think as you're describing this, it truly is going to be the yes answer to the question, can restaurants survive a second wave of shutdowns? It, it's a harsh statement, but it's either you adapt or die. And I, I hate to say it that way, but it's really almost the world we live in. But what you seem to be saying is what I've heard from you so far is that restaurants have been pulling this off and they've been doing it successfully. Uh, do, do you have perhaps another success story that might encourage a restaurant owner? Yeah, sure. I mean, we've got uh, quite a number, but one of the theme I would say that's uh, consistent from those that have been more successful than others is they've done two things. One, they haven't uh, tried to fight what's going on, right? Like, hey, people aren't coming into my stores. I've got limited indoor capacity, or in your case, only outdoor dining. They haven't said, well, gosh darn it, I want to keep doing the same thing. They said, okay, well, how do I adapt quickly? That's like, it's first is the mindset of, I need to adapt, and I'm going to adapt. And then the second kind of pillar of success that we've seen is, um, most of those have actually leaned in and invested in marketing. This seems very counterintuitive to most of us now when you're saying, how can I lean into marketing? How can I spend to acquire consumers when my capacity is more limited and my cash flow is pretty tight, right? Well, the, the truth of the matter is people still want restaurant food. They still want prepared food. And uh, the normal way that most restaurateurs, especially the small ones, have, quote, advertised was a sign-out front. And people are driving less. They're not seeing it. Uh, and most of us are not clear on whether you're open for business or not, you're open for delivery or not, uh, and if you're open, what kind of parameters, safety precautions you've taken in place. So it's imperative during this time frame that you get the word out to your consumers. And the word, getting the word out through online sign or offline signage is not going to be as effective as it was pre-pandemic. Online, we're seeing much greater success. Uh, during this pandemic, we've seen uh, all-time high engagement rates in online. More people are spending time online than ever before. Two, the cost of buying advertising online has actually declined during this time frame, so the cost of inventory is lower. So we've got this perfect storm. Actually, lower cost, high engagement. Now is a fantastic time to get that word out through online advertising and email to your consumers because uh, we're seeing uh, performance rates uh, click some of the highest uh, in my 20-year career in this. Speaking with John Kelly, CEO of ZenReach. John, let's flip the coin just a little bit. And actually, this is going to be a two-sided coin. You already talked about uh, dealing with 
uh, making changes so that, for example, customers feel safe coming in. Uh, that's yeah. certainly a big part of this. You know, on, on your talking points, you listed, you know, make sure that your restaurant is sanitized, that the services are sanitized. You want to make sure that where social distancing is allowed. For example, right now we don't have indoor dining allowed, but we hope to return to that in the near future. But it's still not going to be full capacity. So restaurants need to then take steps to make their customers feel safe. And the reason this is a two-sided coin is because if restaurants are indeed doing these kind of steps, then we as consumers need to support these businesses and go to them as long as we feel safe. So talk about that aspect of this. Yeah, so th- one thing that emerged pretty quickly uh, in uh, the May and June timeframe through the data we saw was that consumers are actually quite concerned. I'll give, I'll give you a data point. So we... we track in-store traffic uh, across all of our merchants, and we can see what the year-over-year traffic patterns look like. And so as a country, we, we reached our lowest point in April when foot traffic was down 75%. That's dramatic. Um, and it's because most of the states and jurisdictions had some form of lockdown or business restrictions in place. In May, the first state to kind of reopen its economy was Georgia. Uh, I think the lockdown was about three weeks anyway. And you did see traffic come back at a fairly steady clip, and it got back to about uh, just under 70% year-over-year traffic. Um, so here was a state that was what we call optimistic. They opened their, their restaurants up fairly quickly, and people did start to come back, but they never got back to 100%. Uh, and in fact, even in the most optimistic and aggressive states, 30% of consumers just stopped coming. And so what that told us was consumer concern is real, right? You know, part of it, part of the decline in traffic is what various jurisdictions are doing, but part of it is true consumer concern. And so you have to take that into consideration. You have to take the safety uh, protocols in place very seriously because consumers are very concerned about their safety through this uh, time frame. That, that's fundamental in my mind. John, I, I heard an interview, I believe it was with the Colorado Restaurant Association, and essentially they were saying, you know, if the restaurants do indeed, uh, for, first of all, they're, they're already used to following safety guidelines. They have to, to maintain their, their license as a restaurant. And we're talking about, you know, making sure that, that restaurants are clean, making sure the food's the right temperature. I mean, they've already had a lot of these restrictions in place that if they don't meet those safety requirements, they get shut down. And so they're already used to complying with government orders, for example. And the interview went on to say that as long as the restaurants are indeed complying with the COVID restrictions, they really are one of the safest places you can go. Would you concur with that? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a uh, virologist, so I can't speak to you know whether something's safe or not. But I will say that uh, the consumer concern is what um, is really important here. And if the consumer believes that uh, they're going to feel safer looking at uh, wait staff that's wearing masks, then we should wear masks, right? If the consumer believes that, you know, touching the menu is, uh, you know, potentially risky uh, proposition, then, uh, then we should offer a contactless menus, right? Menus that are available on your phone, for example. Uh, I think that's the real area of focus where 
there is strong consumer concern and we have to adapt to it. In terms of, you know, uh, my own personal experience, uh, I haven't dined indoors in my month, right? But I've done outdoor dining and I've been in a couple of situations where I said, this is, this is about as safe as an environment as I think I can imagine during this pandemic. So I would agree. So how then does a restaurant communicate this to the consumer? Obviously, if you are a consumer who walks in the restaurant, you're going to see, okay, the wait staff is wearing masks. They are uh, giving me a touchless menu that I, I have that option. But that's people who actually walk in the door. They will actually see those things happening. What's an effective way for restaurant owners to communicate those who haven't been in the doors yet? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, one of the things that, you know, that my company does, there's a, a couple other out there that can help with this, but it's fundamental for restaurateurs to recognize you now have the ability to have a much better understanding of your consumers in a seamless manner that doesn't interfere with the uh, consumer experience. So, uh, for example, we enable uh, what's called uh, guest Wi-Fi experience. The consumer signs up for Wi-Fi unlimited in exchange for an email address. We capture that email address. We get it to the merchant base. So the merchants can now take this collectively and email their consumers. That's kind of step one is just letting them know, hey, here are the new safety procedures we have. Here are our new hours of operation. Here are the new menu items, et cetera, you know. Uh, and getting that word out to the consumer base uh, through email is really important now. Email has certain risk um, limitations because only about 20% of people open emails. And then how do you get the other 80%? Well, you know, online advertising can be super, super effective. So, uh, we're all spending more time with our phones on social media. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say to uh, one of your top customers, hey, come in Friday for happy hour. We've got a special, right? So, the ability to contact your consumers now exists in a way that didn't uh, even just a few years ago, and I would highly encourage restaurateurs to take advantage of that. You know, I suppose one of the advantages of the shutdown orders uh, where no indoor dining is allowed whatsoever is it really has, as we mentioned toward the beginning of the program, it has forced restaurants to say, okay, even if we didn't have a website before, We've got to have one now because essentially we're not able to communicate with our customers when they walk in the door. Even as restaurants, for example, that have a reputation for being friendly service, for for being a great atmosphere to dine in, with with not being able to actually walk in the restaurant, those are gone. You don't have that to your advantage anymore. So I'm hearing from you as we've continued our conversation, a very key piece is A, advertising, but B, that advertising really needs to be online because that's where we've switched to. You've got to have some sort of way to communicate with your your customers. So uh, gaining their email address, for example, is one way of doing that. So talk, talk about perhaps then Again, I'm thinking of of a restaurant owner who has never either a had a website or b they've had a website, but maybe maybe it's not real user friendly. Are there are there websites out there that maybe people could use as an example? Talk about that. Yeah, I, uh, so there are companies that have specialized in creating websites uh, for small businesses, and so it's basically like a website in a box, if you will. Um, you sign up for the service and they'll have like 
uh, you know, best practices associated with how you lay out the, the page. You know, make sure your menu items up front. Make sure there's a, a store finder or a restaurant finder, a location finder on the page. And a lot of them will have e-commerce uh, capabilities as well. So, you know, here's your online ordering. Here, uh, here's the payment processor. All of this is available um, in a prepackaged fashion. Uh, and uh, for those that haven't yet taken this digital step, I would highly encourage them to consider doing so. Um, and if you look at uh, restaurants like uh, Bad Daddy's Bar and Grill, which is a client of ours, great online interaction. Uh, great ordering, uh, seamless uh, integrations with their point of sale system so that, you know, whenever they get an online order, it goes right into the ordering system in the restaurant. They don't have to look at two different screens, for example. I think it's also very, very important for restaurants as they're making this adaptation to follow through with their customer service. I'm going to give you an example. To be honest, I don't even know the name of the restaurant, and if I did, I wouldn't say it out loud anyway, but... Um, our office staff around here ordered from a restaurant and um, they placed the order and they went and picked it up 15 minutes later only to find out once they got to the cash register, oh, I'm I'm sorry to inform you, but our credit card machine is not working right now Mm. and and so you need to pay in cash. And and the response of the person who went to pick up the food is, well, I have $6 in my wallet. That's all (laughs) I've got. Will you take that? Because that's all I've got. And right. so I guess what I'm saying is, um, now, you know, before, if you'd walked in the door of the restaurant, you would probably be informed immediately, hey, our credit card machine's not working. It's going to be cash only. Are you okay with that before we set you down? So, you know, I think where that restaurant failed was that they should have, and that was the complaint of the person who picked up the food, why didn't you tell me this when I placed my order because then I wouldn't have, I either would have stopped at the bank beforehand, or I would not have made the trip in the first place. And so I think it it puts a lot more on the shoulders of the of the restaurant owners to communicate effectively with their consumers. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, most people, most kind of small, like single location restaurateurs, get into their business because they like the food preparation, they like you know, the customer service. And the marketing side or the business side or the payment processing side, those are things you have to do but necessarily feel good at. And, but you're right. During this time frame, you've got to be able to execute on those things really, really well as well. I'll, I'll, I'll share an example. Uh, there are two, uh, two similarly positioned Asian restaurants uh, two miles away from my house. And, um, you know, one uh, has no online ordering, phone-in only, uh, and the other one had online ordering, uh, completely seamless pickup, integrated with uh, third-party delivery companies. Oh, and when you picked up, you did, you know, uh, in-store pickup. They had sanitized pens on one side to sign the credit card statement on the other. And the second restaurant had none of this. Well, guess which one had a line out the door uh, the other day? Uh, I, I, so I don't think I even have to think about it. Yeah. Exactly. So that that was in my mind. That was like here's here's the contract, right? One had one one order in the thirty minutes that I was observing this, and the other one had ten. Right. Yeah. So I again the the answer to the question that we posed at the beginning. By the way, I'm talking with John Kelly, CEO of ZenReach. Uh, can restaurants survive this second wave of shutdowns? And John, I've got two minutes left. 
So I like to, at this point in the program to just say, give your elevator speech. How are restaurants going to survive the second wave of shutdowns? Yeah, for, first and foremost is uh, you've got to adapt uh, the, the highest standards of safety protocols for this time frame. Uh, you know, the consumer's concern, uh, forget whether that concern is uh, real or not. It is real in their minds, and you have to be able to accommodate that. Uh, that safety concern. Second is if you haven't leaned into the digital experience, I would highly recommend it. Website and online delivering are critical during this time frame. Third, really understand who your consumers are coming in. And by that, I don't mean just names and faces, but getting uh, online contact information is going to be critical. And then fourth, as you uh, look to making sure that you get your message out to the consumers, Really, if you can, lean into not just emailing them, but online advertising. It's a great time to do it. And, John, if a restaurant is doing these things, especially when we talk about addressing their concerns, especially for not getting COVID, talk to the consumer for a moment. And, again, we're making the assumption the restaurant is following safety protocols. Is, is you know, maybe put fears at ease. Is it okay then? if they're following these protocols for consumers to go out to eat? Yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, if you look at uh, kind of um, uh, how the safety protocols are designed uh, because, you know, we have all determined that this is the easiest way to, to reduce the possibility of the spread of the virus. Um, and the spread of the virus is primarily uh, airborne and airborne from one individual to another. Uh, and so, you know, the six-foot rule distance is really about making sure that, you know, if somebody coughs, that it's not going to get to you, right? A mask will prevent that from transferring, obviously, as well. Uh, but this, you know, the, the idea that somehow the virus is going to live on a countertop after it's been wiped up with antiseptic, like super, super low incidence there. Outdoors, obviously, uh, provides consistent ventilation. So if I look at this, I do think that there are really low risks associated with less healthy about the, the highest standards here. John Kelly, CEO of ZenReach, thank you for being a part of Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.